We all try and watch what we say in front of our kids, but how much do they really understand? And just say you do say something in front of them that you're not sure if it's the right thing to say, how do you fix it? And what about the precious daytime now? (gasps) Is it really going away? No! What am I going to do with myself? How can I save Wolfie's daytime nap? I need an hour just to do something. All that and more coming up today with our very special guest, Tizzy Hall on Dad Pod. This is Dad Pod. I'm Osher Ginsberg. That is Charlie Clawson. How are you, man? Uh, I'm pretty good to see you. Uh, look, it, it, it's good to be here. I, I might, my, my marriage might be in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. You've got a toddler. I think you have that in common with everybody listening. Uh, this is a podcast that is two dads who were looking for, I guess, some resources, some knowledge when we were, our youngest kids were on the way and couldn't find anything nah. that at least was from men that sounded anything like us or, or shared similar values around what fatherhood meant. So here we are. We're just two dads trying to be better at our jobs. That's pretty much it. Uh, we've been here since 2019. So there's a hunt, There's a lot of episodes. Go back and listen from the start if you want to hear what, two dads who have no idea what's coming to them. Uh, as we started about four weeks out, I think, from Wolfie's birth or six weeks out from Wolfie's birth. And our kids are around two and a half at this point. And um, we're grateful that you can be on this journey with us. AskDadPod at gmail.com is our email address. How's it been with you, Charlie? You and you and Gemma, uh, uh, she's back from, she's, she's, I know she, she works away quite yeah, a bit, the two of you in the house. She's, she's back. I, I'm, I always joke when I said our marriage is in trouble, but we have, we, we, we had another one of those kind of conversations, like the ice cream debate um, that people might have heard where Gemma thought it was fine to give Iana ice cream for breakfast and I, I had a different thought. We had another one of those uh, difference of opinions where the three of us were uh, out on a little uh, road trip to the Gold Coast because uh, Gemma had to go to the dentist. And so we dropped mum off at the dentist for like just a routine check and clean. And while we're at the park, I get a text from Jem saying, hey, uh, the dentist has found some issues with some wisdoms that were, we thought were okay, but it looks like he's going to have to take them out. So I'm going to be a few hours. Are you cool to just hang out? Which we were cool to hang out. But, you know, Iona started having some questions about where's mum and, and, you know, what's going on? Why, why is she taking longer? And so I said, mum's at the dentist. You know what the dentist is? It's like a doctor for your teeth and he's fixing mum up. You know, yeah. everything's going to be fine. But, you know, mum's had a bit of an issue with her teeth. And so the doctor's just taking out a couple of teeth that causing mum some problems. But she's going to be 100% fine. When you see her, she might be a bit puffy and a bit sore, but she's 100% okay. She'll be fine by tomorrow. So... I thought that was fine. I thought I'd just explained what's going on in a fairly non-scary, matter-of-fact kind of way. But then when we did pick mum up, I only had all these like questions. Jen was taking a different tact. She was like, oh, no, 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 I'm not sore. I'm just a bit tired. And my jaw's a bit tired. You know, I've been holding it open and stuff. And then we get Iona into bed and Jem's like, why did you tell her that the dentist took my teeth out? Now, when she goes to the dentist, she's going to have this kind of complex about the, the dentist is some kind of like villain who's going to rip her teeth out with pliers. But that's not how I saw the situation. Christopher Lee in, in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, exactly. I thought I was reading the signs. It didn't seem like Iona was particularly distressed. I didn't see her mind ticking over. I mean, potentially, I, maybe I have done the wrong thing. Like Maybe I did sort of give her a bit too much information. I mean, that's something that I'll be interested to talk to Tizzy about because uh, last time we spoke, she was all about your toddlers are now in kind of safety check mode where they've become aware mm-hmm. that the world is not a perfect place. And so they are testing where their their comfort levels are and, and what is safe and what is what is not safe. I mean, both your parents were doctors, Osh. Like, is this a, a conversation your parents would have sugarcoated for you? 
No, not at all. No, but I am I, still like, you, are you telling me that your wife had an in-chair wisdom tooth extraction? Yes. Fucking hell. That is a big deal. Mm. Wow. That is huge. I had mine out when I was 16 under general anesthetic. Man, I'm impressed. <laughs> nice one, Gemma. Nice one. Well, she's Scottish. They just gave her a dram of whiskey and then bang. <laughs> Got one foot up on the uh, chair and just yanked him out. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I am very much about, you know, being as honest as not not complete all the details, but if Wolf asks about something, you know, we talk about death. We've talked about death a few times. Like, is is the bird coming? Like, if we see a bird on the side of the road that we've seen it sometimes, there's cats in our area. No, the bird's not coming back. He'll ask, is the bird coming back? No, the bird's not coming back. Mm. The bird's died now. It's like asleep. No, no, it's not asleep because it's sleep you wake up from. So we do, you know, we do talk about it. We don't go into like full detail. Um, my parents might have overshared a bit, but yeah, we we do give him enough to get the concept. I do, I do get Gemma's perspective. I mean, I think we've um, talked previously like that I only sort of got this, we don't know where it came from, this fear of snakes. She just suddenly just became mm-hmm. super conscious of like snakes and, you know, other snakes in the house and had a lot of questions about snakes. And so we had to be very careful we uh, started using code words scarf if we had to talk about snakes we'd use the yeah, word yeah i remember that we'd yeah. use the word scarf so i do understand that kids can have a tendency to fixate on things and her imagination but i just thought that the fact that she was going to see her mum and her mum was going to be okay and that we were talking about it in a non-emotional very cut and dried way that she, she's a smart kid and she'd be capable of processing but like i said maybe tizzy will have some insight on that how's your week been osh what have you been dealing with uh, look, the, the thing is that Wolf has been amazing in his big bed. Amazing. At nap time, when it comes nap time for me, we get, you know, we're lunchtime, 11.20 or so. You know, he's generally up at 7. 11.20, lunchtime, we start getting into the wind down. We grab Bunny. We start talking quietly. We stop moving around so much. We don't jump around so much. We get into the routine, into the room, into bed, sing a bit of a song, Okay, mate, now I'm going to leave. You have a nice rest. You had a big morning, dude. I sing him a whole song about his day. And Sounds like your parenting invo- is like 70% musical. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, dude. There's a lot of swapping of lyrics. There's a lot of like singing about the day. Anyone that knows me will know that I sing narrate my entire life. Yeah, okay, as I was, right. When I was a kid, before the internet, you basically got what you were given on TV on the weekends because that was it for stimulation visually, right? And there were always these kind of black and white Andy Rooney movies where I was a little kid. I'm like, how does everyone know the words? No, remember the dance moves. <laughs> That's hard to learn. How does a stranger in the bank know the chorus? That's incredible. So I thought the only way I'm ever going to be in a musical is if, if I, you know, create one. So I I often sing narrate my life. I do it all the time. Sometimes it's power metal, sometimes it's a ballad. So I sing Wolf a big song about his about his day in the morning. I need to make a song. Okay, so we sing a big song. So, okay, mate, I'm going to go now. He's awake. He's awake when I leave the room. So you can hang out. You can talk to Bunny. Um, your little light's there. He's got a little night light. You can turn that on. You can read a book if you like. And um, just turn it off when you're done and go to sleep if you want. You don't have to. Just have a nice rest. Okay. See you when I wake up, Dad. Bye. Shut the door. Done. Two o'clock. Dad. He's up. Amazing. However, for Audrey, forget about Mm -hmm. it. He will not do it for Audrey. And it's tough, man, because there's some things he won't do for me. And I know, you know, he does things for Audrey that he won't do for me. And I'm like, I'm fucking failing, dude. I'm not able to hold up my end of it. And I'm not going to speak for Audrey, but I I can see that it's tough on her that he won't do the same thing. And yesterday, man, he, you know, into bed, you know, mum's going to put me to bed. Okay, buddy. See you when you wake up. You know, 
she sang him a song. She's out of that 12, 15. Nah, and he's doing all these delaying. I've got to go wee. Okay, mate. So you want to go wee? And we've put the potty in the room now. So it's not a trip all the way out to the toilet. It's like, okay, you can do a little wee on the potty. There you go. And then he, he'll do, you know, six wees in four minutes. And you don't want to say no to him, you know, because mm-hmm. you don't want to go, no, no, you don't need to wee. He's like, okay, you need to wee. Go and do a wee. And then 12, 15, 12, 30. 12.45, 1 o'clock, still awake, yeah. chaos is starting to rain. His, his neurons are shooting off messages to, you know, other neurons that aren't receiving them. His, you know, his motor control's all over the place. He's starting to just babble and talk in gibberish. 1.30, Audrey's like, that's it. I'm pulling the pin. No more nap. Curtains open, sleep sounds off, yeah. getting changed out the door. And... We aimed to get him. We had a thing to do last night. And so I put him to bed at 5.30. He normally goes to bed at 7, but I put him to bed at 5.30. And he was 5.45, he was out. Yeah. But, yeah, man, I don't want that daytime nap to go because when I'm with him by myself, that hour and a half, as you know, or two hours, that's the, okay, what emails do I have to write? Can I put something on the line? Can I clean something up? Can I reset the space? Can I clean all the toys up? What can I get ready for? And maybe I can get a quick chance to train or whatever. And before you know it, Wolf's awake. And yeah. then you can't do anything till after bed. And for Audrey, it's the same. If he misses his nap, that's her whatever she could have got done that day. And there's always things to do. There's invoicing, there's do following you up. Do back to when you weren't, like when you didn't have, uh, you know, obviously at Georgia, but like when you didn't have like a, a toddler and an infant or someone who was dependent on you, like how you wasted hours, how you would you would flit around, you know, you'd have four hours to get some emails done and, and you just like take your sweet time now. You get that one hour window. You're like the most efficient. You're like the Terminator. It's like Ever. 20 minutes to do this. I'm going to do push-ups and sit-ups and then I'm going to go clean upstairs and, and, you, and you get it all done in like the in 45 minutes. It's like I've been wasting the previous 43 years of my life. <laughs> I swear to God, dude. When Wolf is asleep, and Audrey's the same, when when the kids are asleep, that's your moment. That's your moment to get it done in the daytime. So I really don't want the daytime nap to go away. But I also, he does it for me. But he doesn't do it for her. And that's yeah, that really sucks. that's really tough, man. That, that can suck, you know, because I know what it's like. to. I feel rejected when he doesn't want to do something for me and I feel like I'm not holding up my end of the bargain. So I've got to say, to have the grandmaster, the quietest of all baby whisperers, Tizzy Hall, is on the show today. And maybe we can have a chat with her about, A, you know, what's going on in, in daytime nap town, but also B, you know, how honest is too honest? I'm sure yeah. she's got, you know, because she's... She's, She's been through honest. some stuff. <laughs> She's a straight shooter, Tizzy. I love it. We're going to get to some emails in just a sec. Askdadpod at gmail.com. I'm just going to try and remember the password while you listen to this. If you do want to email us, askdadpod at gmail.com. We do often have people write to us all the time. It's nice to hear and get a running commentary. Matt has written to us again. Remember Matt? He was the evolutionary oh, yeah, yeah. scientist. Yeah. So Matt. He said our kids are saying no so they can keep all the food in the cave. Is that right? Something like that. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> So Matt's got identical twin five-year-old girls oh. and they like basic jokes. So dad jokes, he reckons dad jokes don't work. Okay. But for five-year-olds, the basic jokes really work. And he gives a great example here. Uh, so re- removing the skin from the oranges for lunch and going, these oranges sure are appealing. All right, good. Good one. And they, they have a bit of a giggle about that. And I can only say to you, Matt, that in my experience, that exact same routine once your kids are over the age of 10 or 11, you start to get the groan. And I've got to tell you, man, there's nothing sweeter. 
There's no <laughs> sweeter taste than an eye roll. When you really get that, when you get that, hi, hungry, how are you? And they go, Ugh, you're like, that's better than any laugh I've ever got on any show I've ever worked on. It's the most satisfying thing. It's <laughs> so sumptuous. And Matt's asking, dad jokes are often sometimes useful in managing conflict, but if the dad jokes aren't working, how do you manage conflict? And that's a real tricky one. I know with Iona, and this is something that I actually, I, I had two different schools of thought on what was the idea of distraction. I had one friend who works in early child learning saying, don't use distraction, like address it, like rather than sort of just ignore it and just to like actually get to the root of the problem. But then I've heard other people say, no, no, distraction is perfectly fine, especially if it's sort of like, you know, no nap, pre-meltdown moment or, or, or something. I'm a big fan of the distraction. I, I own her at the moment. Her big thing is I can't dress her and she like will get into fits if I try and dress her. So, man, I pull out everything. I'm like, look at that out the window. Hey, here's your toy screwdriver. Hey, what would Bluey say if Bandit was trying to get her dressed and all that kind of stuff? And so I'm a big fan of like just diffused a joke, point out something funny out the window. It's just helped hearing Charlie go, because I'm like, oh, fuck, I do that too. I feel better. So, Matt, I hope you feel better because I sure <laughs> do. AskDadPod at gmail.com is our email address. Hold on to your hats, ladies and gentlemen, because the one and only Tizzy Hall is going to join us next and um, hopefully we'll be in less trouble than last time. <laughs> Charlie, we are so grateful to have her back, an absolute superstar in the parenting world, the woman who literally saved our sleep after you and Gemma told Audrey and I to get the book, Save Our Sleep, the one and only Tizzy Hall. You can get all the books, the Save Our Sleep series, all the sleepwear, the safest pillow on the market, saveoursleep.com. Tizzy Hall, welcome back to the show. Last time you were here, I think I got in a bit of trouble, Charlie. Yeah. Have you got that cot, the travel cot going? Oh, mate, I, I'm, I'm reluctant. I'm reluctant <laughs> to share that part, <laughs> part of the story. You feel like, like you haven't done your homework and now you've got to I'll hand it in? I'll, look, I'll, I'll, I'll skip over that part because that's the nighttime sleep. Tizzy, can I talk to you about the daytime naps? Tizzy, we're getting to the part where, it, I hate to say it, the daytime naps might start to be going away. Oh, All right. No. So last time we talked, your little one was nearly three. So mm. we're a little bit further along now. So yeah, daytime naps, what's happening? Well, the routine starts around 11.20, 11.25. There's lunch for whatever we can get into him because we're in peak food refusal time. And then it's, a, you know, just a good wind down. It's nap time. It's a little song. And then most of the time, it's amazing. And I'm so proud of the little guy for doing that. But then sometimes he just doesn't want to do it. Yesterday, see, here's the thing. He'll do it for me. He'll do that for me, but he won't do it for mum. And it really grates on Audrey that he won't do that for her. And yesterday it goes 12.15, 12.30, 12.45. We're in the delaying. I need to eat. I need a snack. I need this. I need that. One o'clock. At 1.30, Audrey just pulled the pin. She's like, that's it. There is not going to be a nap. <laughs> At what point should you pull the pin? At what point should you just go leave the room and say, all right, mate, this is it? And how can I, as a husband, support Audrey, who I understand is feeling probably kind of rejected by this kid not doing the thing that he's doing for me? So I've got a couple of questions about this nap, first of all. So did you know that the time of the nap affects the time they wake up the next day? Yes, because I read your book. Yeah. So what time is he waking up in the mornings? Mm, 
at the moment around, well, since he's been in his big bed, no cot in the room, about five. But since the, before when the cot was in the room and he wasn't sleeping in it, he would sleep all the way until seven or at least stay in bed until we came to get him at seven. So when he doesn't have a nap for Audrey, do you notice that he sleeps longer the next morning? No, he's up at five. Okay, because normally the time of the nap affects that. So there's something missing in his, and we think it's his going to sleep pathway that isn't working properly and you were going to try and get the cot back and steal it from those people who may or may not have had their baby by this point. But anyway, yeah. two things you've got to remember is it's okay for a child to have one routine at daycare and one routine at home or one routine with mum and one routine with dad. Okay, so that's not a big issue. It's all right if he has two routines. But the days when you have him, are you doing more things in the morning outdoor? Like, are you taking him outside, doing more stuff? Are you going swimming? Are you going bike riding? Are you going to the park? It's a day's mum's having him. Is she doing something that's less active for him? Like, is there something different in the morning that he isn't as exhausted? Maybe. That could be a factor. Because mums tend to do jobs, what they multitask when they've got their little one. As dads tend to go, I've got the little one today, I'm going to go on a bike ride or I'm going to take them swimming or I'm going to go to the park. Uh, Sometimes that can be a thing. The other thing that affects them is outdoor time. Fresh air promotes sleep. So in countries like the Netherlands, their children sleep, all of their daytime sleeps outdoors, unless it is colder than minus 30. So unless it's colder than minus 30, they have their outdoor sleep outside. (laughs) Like, and in Finland, all the children at school and daycare are outside most of the day. So it could be something as simple as he's not having the same outdoor time. Yeah. It could also be maybe you're trying to put him to bed at 12, but you put him into bed at 20 past 12. And maybe mum's trying to put him to bed at 12 and she's putting him to bed at 12. So you've got to look at little things like that. I'd be looking at those things. But another thing you said was the food refusal. Oh, yeah. Think about when your baby was first born and they're this tiny two-week-old baby and look at how much growing they do between two weeks and a year. Now look at how much growing your little one has done between two and a half and three. You don't notice it. It's not the same amount of growth. So they don't need the same amount of food. So you've got to stop worrying about food. Food is not the be-all and end-all to sleep at this age. It is in the first six months. But by this age, it's not. And you've got to not make a big thing of food. Like if you're going, oh, please eat this, oh, eat this, oh, oh, you need to eat this, or you won't sleep, you don't eat this, you're going to make food an issue. You don't want food to be an issue. So if your little one isn't having a good lunch before bed, cut out breakfast, then cut out all snacks. Now, a lot of children will eat a massive breakfast, like they'll eat two or three wheat bigs for breakfast, the children's one, with their A2 milk or infant formula in it. They'll be massive and then they'll have no lunch. They can manage with that. But if you're worried about food, cut out all snacks from breakfast until lunchtime. And then here's your lunch. Put it down in front of them. You've got a certain amount of time to eat it. You don't eat it. Go to bed. If you have been out somewhere, like let's say we've gone out with friends and you think you're going to have dinner and you don't have dinner and you're supposed to have finger food and you have a couple of bites and you're like me, you're too busy talking and you don't manage to eat. You go home and go to bed. You don't lie awake all night because you haven't eaten. Like, it's not what we do. So please stop worrying about the food. And also don't worry too much if there's one routine with you and one routine with mum. That is such a fantastic 
<sighs> weight off my shoulders because we were both trying to replicate it to try and create the same pathway. And that's, oh, that's, that's, that's the, really- I mean, I'm the same, Osh. Well, I would have thought that as well. Like I, uh, Gemma and I have, have tried to follow the same pathway, but it makes sense that Iona responds differently to the different parent, depending on who she's with. And I think it's actually more Gemma, my wife, Tizzy, is much more flexible. <laughs> I, I, I tend to be very rigid and, and structure-oriented, and it's like, oh, no, it has to be this way, where Gemma's like, look, whatever works, that's what I'm going to do. I have a question that's not so much about sleep. Last time we spoke, you, you told me that toddlers, they're getting to that age of safety and, and, and testing and, and finding out, you know, a little thing happened a couple of days ago with Gemma and I, where she had an unexpected dental procedure. We, the three of us, were off. Uh, my wife did. Iona and I dropped her mum off at the dentist, thinking that we'd see her again in an hour, and then got a text coming through saying, "Look, um, the doctor has to extract some teeth. I'm going to be here for a while." And so, while we we're waiting for mum, I had to have this conversation with Iona, who wanted to know where mummy was. And so, I just sort of very plainly said, "She's at the dentist. The dentist is fixing her teeth." He's going to take a couple out. And then, you know, when you see mum, her mouth's going to be a bit puffy, but she's going to be okay. You don't have to worry. And so, you know, mum came back. Her mouth was a bit puffy. Iona had some questions. And after we put her to bed, Gemma was like, I don't want you saying to Iona that like mummy's got sore teeth and that the dentist took my teeth out because I think you're going to give her a complex. But from my perspective, Iona didn't seem scared. She just seemed curious. And it wasn't like when, you know, we were driving home or when I was putting her to bed, she was like, oh, the dentist is coming to take my teeth or anything. She just wanted to know, oh, what did the dentist do? And and why is mummy's mouth a bit puffy and, and so forth? Maybe you can sort of settle this. It's not an argument at this stage. It's a, let's say it's a difference of perspective. But like when it comes to sort of how much you protect your kids from or, or how much information you give them, have I done the wrong thing by explaining <laughs> the details of the procedure that, that her mum went through. Should I have held back on that? I know what you've done. Between our last interview and this interview, you've Googled Tizzy Hall <laughs> and you found out that I studied my butt off as a child. I think you're punishing me because it was like being in front of the head teacher last time. I studied <laughs> my butt off as a child to do veterinary. All I wanted to do was be a vet. And I got into uni to do veterinary. And then I couldn't work on the animal's teeth. And I had to like quit. And I was like, I can't be a vet. I can't work on the animal's teeth. And the only thing I can't talk about do is teeth. And you've discovered <laughs> oh, that so I changed sorry. to psychology and child psychology <laughs> to not talk about teeth. And you thought, between this interview and the next interview, I'm going to get it. I'm going to yeah. talk about teeth, but you're okay because I'm actually I haven't fainted yet. So yes, okay. we can oh. talk about it for a minute. But that's a little bit mean of you guys. Anyhow, <laughs> I apologise. So with the teeth, yes. I'm all for telling children the truth, but I can see it from both of your point of views. I think if you tell a child something, I guess there's two things I want to try and explain to you. Is one is if you tell a child something like, mum's gone to the dentist and the dentist needed to do a procedure, I can see your wife's point of view that telling your child that the dentist pulled teeth out might make your child a little bit scared, especially if you're like Tizzy Hall. But mm -hmm. I also prefer to be truthful with children. So I can see both point of views. Probably in the future, it would be better to say something like, mummy's gone to the dentist, she's been delayed because the dentist had to do some extra work on her mouth. And then if your little girl had said, what was the extra work? Then you could answer. But they sometimes don't need to know. So okay. I would be very much guided by your child as to how much to tell them. 
But I'm for telling them the truth, but I can see both point of views. Because if you tell her that mum had her teeth pulled out, and then if your child needs to go to the dentist and needs to have a tooth taken out, you can say, do you remember when mummy had her tooth taken out? She was fine. You know, she was fine an hour later, or you saw her later and she was Mm. absolutely fine. And you didn't even notice. Yep. So it prepares them. But then I can see your wife's point of view that she doesn't want your little one to be scared of the dentist. It's a difficult one because there's two very different point of views. And in a way, they're both right. And I don't want to tell you which is right and which is wrong. Well, well, my father was a dentist. And so I think I grew up in a house where like medical procedures, especially yeah. around the mouth, was just commonplace. Like it was just discussed. My dad would, my dad, my dad never hid some of his more gruesome <laughs> surgeries and operations when he came home from work. But it did raise an interesting kind of dilemma, which is, okay, so she's becoming more aware of the world. Of course, you're aware of your language and, you know, we're not talking about the war in Ukraine or even with the flooding that we've had in the Northern Rivers have been careful to shield her from that. We don't want to give her a complex. But I guess with that thing, I just, because I felt that her mum was safe and that her mum was going to be okay, I didn't think there was any issue in, it wasn't like I gave her a detailed description of of the extraction of a tooth. I just said she's having some teeth come out and the dentist is, is, is fixing her. But maybe I should sort of be a bit more sensitive to the imagination of a child or where that could naturally go to. I can really relate to you, Charlie. Both both my parents were doctors. And so at night, I'm not even lying. Like this is exactly the conversation. <laughs> would be four boys sitting around the table, mum, dad, grandma. Oh, my God, you should have seen the boil this bloke came in with today. <laughs> I lanced it. I needed a second kidney tray. Janine had to go and get it for me. Can you pass the sauce? And that's what... It was. So I understand, Charlie, where you're coming from is just by normalising it, you don't make it so weird. But I also get what Tizzy's saying, giving just enough information but not enough to to freak him out. And I heard what Tizzy had to say, and I'm never going to say this to your wife, Gemma, but I think you're on the right, Charlie. I think yeah, you're clear. Right. And <laughs> I didn't know that your parents were dentists when you were talking about it. Another reason why I probably wouldn't have come on your show if I'd known. But I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't talk to dentists. No. Yeah, fair but, enough. You see, you can normalise it. Maybe. Maybe I should check in with Iona and just make sure that, you know, the discussion we had yesterday, she's not imagining some villainous dentist to yank out a teeth with a pair of pliers, that she understands what was going on. And you're making a thing of it. So I wouldn't go back to her and say, oh, remember we were talking about the dentist? I'd like maybe have a book about the dentist and start reading a story and then see if she's worried about it, she'll say, Daddy... When the dentist ripped mum's tooth out with the pliers, like, you know, but if she, if you read the dentist book and she just reads it and then goes, right, so what are we doing tomorrow? It's not an issue. But I wouldn't, if you turn around and say to her, now I'd like to revisit that conversation, you know, even if you were just to say to her at the dinner table, remember we were talking about the dentist? In her head, she's thinking, hold on a minute. Why is he bringing that up? Dad's revisiting the dentist. This is something I've got to be worried about. And it comes back, I think, Tizzy, to your, I guess, ethos around teaching a kid to get themselves to sleep. If you if you avoid tricky subjects, whether it be a pet dying or a, a grandparent, you know, is fading away or, you know, someone dying suddenly, you're not giving them the gift of that resilience. Yet if you prepare them for this is what life is, then when it does happen, by avoiding it as a parent, we, we might think we're doing the right thing because it's an uncomfortable conversation. But actually what we're doing is we're putting all of that discomfort onto them the moment they find out. And I think we're all aligned here, as uncomfortable as that might be for an adult. Truth and honesty in these things is is really important. And you're giving the kid the, the gift of the preparation for the moment 
when, because everyone you know someday will die, as Wayne from the Flaming Lips would say. <laughs> but in Ireland, it happens more because in Ireland, you know, you're Irish because you've been to funerals of people you don't even know. Yeah. And yeah. someone said to me the other day, what makes you the most proud about being Irish? And I go, I reckon it's our funerals. Like we have the best yeah. funerals in and Ireland. And best wakes. My mother was Eileen McSweeney. So oh. maybe maybe that's where yeah. <laughs> maybe that's where the commonality comes into it. You know, in, in Australia, you have wedding cars with white ribbons. Mm. In Ireland, like every single day you see cars with black ribbons and you stop and let them all go. So you're just surrounded by it. But it's like a big hush-hush in Australia. Yeah, it's, right. a mate of ours died the other day and Wolf and I, was well, you're sad, Daddy, I'm sad. And we, we talked all about it. And he's like, oh, okay. And he's definitely old enough to understand. And it's uh, what's wild, guys, we were we live not far from a cemetery here and we were walking through it the other day with some mates and you, you look at the headstones, certainly in the early 1900s before the invention of antibiotics, three years old, four years old, seven years old. Our parents were probably the first generation that didn't know someone who'd buried a kid, yeah. you know? We forget how how lucky we are. We're that, so lucky. You know, and Charlie's one of nine. His parents were old school. They were hedging their bets. So, <laughs> Irish Catholic. But something, talking of luck, something totally, I was telling someone the other day, which was quite funny, we were talking about getting immunised as children. I used to work out that the 19th person in Ireland got a clean needle. So I'd be the 19th person because the 18, first 18 children in the line had the same needle. And then when you got to number 19, you got a clean needle. And now, like, people are worried about immunizations. And it's like, hold on a minute, but you get a brand new sterile needle, like, and a sharp needle. Luxury. <laughs> we really could talk to you all day. And we're just so grateful that you made the time to speak with us. If you haven't got into Tizzy Hall's work, it has been truly transformational for Audrey and I, and I know the same for Charlie and Gemma. Saveoursleep.com is where you can get into all the books, uh, the associated sleepwear, and all of those bamboo blankets, which you're going to need. Check out the podcast as well. Tizzy Hall, you are the greatest. If you ever have time, we'd love to have you back. Thank you so much for having me on, and I'd love to come back. That's us for another day on Dad Pod. Thank you for being a part of it. Thank you, Tizzy Hall. Amazing. I still can't believe that she said yes to us. Yeah. Because uh, it's, it's like, oh, I'm doing a history podcast and Malcolm Gladwell's coming on. You know, it's yeah. like, fucking hell. You're doing a music podcast. Paul yes? McCartney said uh, he's going to pop by and talk about songwriting. <laughs> he said, oh, I say no to four podcasts a day, but it's not about you guys. And I said yes to. Amazing. I mean, the amazing thing is, I mean, she literally said that to us, that, you yeah. know, she gets asked to do pods all the time and she decided to do ours. But the wee amazing thing is she said she listened to the old episodes and still decided to do ours, <laughs> which is even more. I don't know if she took, she took pity on us or, or, or what, but it's amazing. It's that parental patience, I think. It's that, oh, they're learning. <laughs> <laughs> well, look at them. They're the, trying. I think she came on the show because she's like, fuck, these guys need some help. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah it's public service, on. if anything. Yeah, pretty much. But man, didn't she have some good stuff today? Yeah, I'm mean, amazing. Like, firstly, the one thing that really struck me is I'm so glad that uh, I'm not living in the Netherlands because I don't know, know that I would feel comfortable about letting Iona sleep outside in 30 degree, below 30 degree weather. But the idea that fresh air promotes sleep makes so much sense because you see that. Like, you know, when it's my turn to sort of on non daycare days take Iona out. I will take her to the park and because we've had a lot of rain up here, that hasn't been possible every day and the nap time becomes a much bigger issue. But yeah, man, get outside, get the body moving, get that fresh air going before nap time. Like just a little play in the park, kick a ball in the front yard, nap time will be so much easier. 
Without a shadow of a doubt. And I did mention to her that Wolfie is kind of in peak food refusal moments mm. at the moment. And it was nice to hear her to say, stop worrying about it. Stop worrying about food. And I, I guess that's honestly, it's my my Czech and Lithuanian grandmother's, you know, the early programming. You're too skinny. You must eat. Yeah, well- it was victory over Hitler. If you were, if you had more calories than you needed, it's like fuck you, heathens. We won, and so yeah. that was it. Food meant victory, and and look at the abundance. Yeah, you got to eat it, and that's what you know we grew up with. And maybe some of that's coming out of me because I'm like fuck. If he doesn't eat, I'm in trouble. But do you think Augustus Gloop, uh, <laughs> his parents were <laughs> oh, potentially mate. had escaped like Poland or something like that? And yeah, without a doubt, like <laughs> without a doubt. And when she said, stop worrying about food, I mean, to be completely honest, we went shoe shopping six weeks ago and he cannot fit any of them. All right. It, it, it's bananas. You go, my feet hurt. And you look down and like, oh my God. So yeah, he's, he's doing okay. He's getting enough calories and I've got to just trust that he's going to get all the calories he needs and he can, he can judge that. And it's, it's, it's a bit tough around that, but man, amazing to have Tizzy here. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. If you do love the show, like the best thing you can do for us is to subscribe and to rate it and review it and let other people know a dad, a granddad, a mum, kids, mate of yours, whoever, just share in the corner of your app and, and text it off to him going, hey, that book you've got, Dizzy Hall, she was on this boys show and that's what she talked about. And also, hey, remember that thing when you were trying to talk to your kid about the dentist? That happened to Charlie. <laughs> text him that. That'd be awesome. Until we speak next time, um, may your midday naps always be there. And, um, oh God, don't touch that. Don't touch that.